Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Doing well, thank good. you. Good. But we have to deal with problems, yes. and we have to offer suggestions. Hopefully, we do a little bit of good doing all, making all this effort. And I am so grateful that we have people tuning in every day, and they have the same concerns that we have. And I think that's good because I think there's a lot more out there than anybody ever realized. At least it's a surprise to me and a pleasure to meet so many. And we expect a good turnout for our little conference here in June to have meet and have a good time. But I want to start off with a horrible, horrible suggestion on a plan uh, in motion by our president, uh, mm -hmm. that's his name, by President Biden. He, he wants to start something that uh, comes across as a reminder of some horrors. And it's called the Ministry of Truth, at least that's the nickname for it. Biden appoints serial propagandists to launch Disinformation Governance Board, that's the name, at DHS. And uh, this, uh, this is, uh, you, you know, pretty significant, <laughs> you know, when, when we were looking at this. I said, Daniel, do you think, do you think the kids in high school are, are it was amazing that they even, even um, you know, had kids read, about, you, you know, uh, 1984 and uh, the New World Order and all this stuff? And, uh, and, and the whole thing is, is even if it's there, uh, right now, they're probably denied a lot of reading, but yeah. but but the whole the the, um, the the sentiment of 1984, at least the young people were introduced to it, but that's long gone. And this is sort of is a, this is the reminder of having having a, a board to check on honesty. And when you look at what's going on on social media, it's just horrendous. Uh, but what they have to have one just like they have, actually they already have one. Uh, we've been reading more about it since uh, the ownership looks like it's de definitely changing at Twitter. And they had a minister of truth there, one single person that had tremendous power over over the propaganda machine. And But this one's official, this one's government. Oh, they'll be careful on this. They, they have to take care of that perception. Governments never restrain people. It's the corporations that are dependent on government. They do the dirty work. So this is, um, uh, th this is the suggestion now that they'll start this, and they picked out somebody that's had, had experiences. This uh, Jankowitz, uh, she's supposed to be a real expert and know what truth is, and she's going to be the minister of truth, and we should all relax and be uh, satisfied. And I keep thinking, how are they going to solve the problem of seeking out the truth by telling lies, <laughs> you know, and proposing lies and, and, and perpetuating the whole organization that's going to tell the, the world what truth really is? Remember when they started the Department of Homeland Security? I had just come work to start working for you not long before that on Capitol Hill. Remember how they tried to uh, browbeat you into supporting it? Oh, Ron, this is going to shrink the size of government. <laughs> we're consolidating all these agencies in one, and we're going to be able to protect the homeland. We'll never have a 9-11 uh, attack again. Uh, that's all it's about is protecting the homeland. So we've gone from an organization that was supposed to keep our borders secure and keep planes from running into buildings to a, to a governmental agency now that, as you say, 
is starting a disinformation governance board. Forget about protecting the borders. They have to police our minds. <laughs> Let's look at this. is from Politico. This is the announcement from, from Politico here. DHS is standing up a new disinformation governance board to coordinate countering misinformation related to homeland security, focused specifically on irregular migration, that's called illegal immigration, <laughs> and Russia. Nina Jankowitz will head the board as executive director. She was previously a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center. I don't know if that means she was fighting it or she was promoting it. I'm a disinformation fellow. Uh, and listen to this. She advised the Ukrainian Foreign Ministry as part of the Fulbright Public Policy Fellowship. So she worked for the Ukrainian government. And she oversaw, this is important, she oversaw Russia and Belarus programs at the National Democratic Institute. Now, people may not understand the implications of this. That means she worked for that portion of the National Endowment for Democracy that was involved in overthrowing the governments of Belarus and attempting to overthrow the governments of Russia. She's a regime change operative, and she's an expert at using disinformation. And now she's put in, basically you put the, you put the bank robber in charge of guarding the banks is what, right. is what they've done. And we can be certain, I think the evidence is very strong, that she was very much involved in the Russia gate and the attack and, and the lies told uh, regarding the president. I mean, we, uh, we, we knew uh, our president at that time, Trump, you, you know, had some shortcomings yeah. and we don't defend all that. But I think the evidence is building every single day about the distortion and the lying. So how is she going to... She's just going to, if they if this goes through, she's just going to protect those laws. <laughs> they can't possibly help. How, how do the American people uh, get so complacent that they just go along with it? It isn't so much that they know differently. Is This is such a burden to sort this all out, you know, and have to take a position on it. But more people are waking up every day, and it might be an exciting year before it's all over. We've seen some changes uh, uh, with uh, Twitter. I thought it was interesting about Twitter today. Uh, their their income wasn't nearly what was expected. I don't know whether that affects uh, the value of that company or not, but, but usually when the profits go down, it does affect that. So... But uh, I think it's um, I think it's it's a time for us to take it and say, wake up, American people. I mean, 1984 was all fiction, but it was all true. It yeah. was closer to the truth in a book of fiction. So and uh, and people, a lot of people were influenced by 1984 superficially. You know, there's a lot of people who have read 1984, but they don't think. They don't say, you know, if we're not careful, we could end up like 1984. It looks like uh, it's, it's uh, not only just on the doorstep, it looks like it's taking a step inside. Well, this has a real chilling effect, I think, because if you think about it, the Department of Homeland Security has a lot of people carrying guns. They can arrest you, they can shoot you, they can take you away. So now you've got an organization that is going to fight, that's going to use the power of the state, the power of force, the power of these guns, to fight disinformation about Russia. Well, what does that mean? We challenge the narrative uh, regularly here on this program. Uh, the things that the government has said about what's been going on in that region for the past eight years since the U.S. backed coup. Oh, you can't even say that now. That's disinformation. So the, now there's an implied use of force against anyone who challenges uh, the conventional wisdom that's been pouring out of the mainstream media now for years 
about what really happened in, in 2014, for example, and how that contributed to the situation we have now. So you have the force of government that's going to be used against Americans like us who don't buy the narrative as it's been laid down by the propagandists in the government. And, and they can use those principles any place they want because uh, most of the time we talk about the disinformation leading up to war because it's so serious. But what about the disinformation and the control of language and what they did to people who were telling the truth about COVID? You know, they weren't even allowed yeah. to have a debate. They weren't even allowed to talk about it. They weren't allowed to say, hey, you know, maybe there's another viewpoint on this. Cancel. He's, a, he's yeah. telling the truth. We can't stand that. And we, how does an empire exist if you have somebody telling the truth? You know, so that is, that is where they, they operate. Because for, the only way I can finally came around to understanding this is that to them, they're telling the truth because to, to them, the proper truth is relative. It's relative to power. And so uh, the, the Soviet system is when I sort of came around understanding that. When the Soviets were in charge, they were telling the truth. But the, it, the state made the decision about the truth. There was no higher authority, higher law, no morality associated with it. And this is what we're, we're moving. They're, they're there, but it's sort of a lot politer than the, than the, so, the Soviet system was. At well, least right not, now it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And usually what happens, I think, what you're pointing out, it gets where there's more opposition. So you have to squelch the opposition. And so, therefore, I think your concerns about it <laughs> shifting is probably a very real concern. Now, let's look at this next tweet. This is from Jankowitz. Uh, and she's proudly announcing her new job. She's got her Ukrainian flag up there next to her name on Twitter. She says, here's my official portrait to grab your attention. Now that I've got it, a huge focus of our work, and indeed one of the key reasons the board was established, is to maintain the department's commitment to protecting free speech, privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties, which is pretty laughable because she herself has been very explicit in the fact that she does not like free speech. <laughs> Put on the next one. This is a tweet that's been going around. She said, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what it would look like for the marginalized communities. So she's A, very woke, B, doesn't like free speech, yet she's put in charge of a department of government that is their very purpose is to protect free speech, we're told. In a way, what they have done is they've created a new law. Lying is morally right. You, you lie, and it's morally correct to do that. And I think it's worse now, and listening to the people in Washington, than, than when you and I were working up there. Uh, it was bad then, uh, you know, the distortion and laws and propaganda and the power struggles and all that go on. But now, now they're moving into this where they're, they're in the realm of saying they're morally right by telling lies. It's the noble lie. You, you have to do that to protect the people. They're not doing this to hurt the people. They're doing this to help the people, you know, to make, make sure none of them get hungry or any of them get exposed to the truth because it's the truth that these individuals have to stamp out. So what do they do? They call it a truth squad. We're going to protect everybody by uh, determining what is true is true and 
this, that principle's obviously been around for a long, long time, uh, but it comes and goes, and we're really hitting hitting hard at that. It's hitting us very badly, and uh, and yet it uh, it may be uh, hopefully at a point where more people are waking up, and there'll be there'll be some resistance. And we've seen signs of that when people finally got fed up over the the uh, censorship and the cancellations uh, dealing with COVID. But what about war? You know, the, the issue of war uh, that goes all the way back to our civil war. You could, you could go to prison for de, you know taking a different opinion than uh, what the officials uh, thought you should take. Yeah. Well, here's you know again. She's going to protect free speech, and she's against free speech. She's going to fight disinformation, and she's a purveyor of disinformation. It's been well recorded. So many tweets. We talk about Jordan Schachtel's piece uh, from the dossier, which we put up on the Ron Paul Institute website. He does a great job of dissecting it. But let's put up this next, uh, this next tweet. I mean, Twitter is forever, for better or worse. Um, here she is. Uh, here's uh, Rusty Weiss tweeting about uh, Jenkowitz. The Biden administration's new executive director of the Disinformation Governance Board, Nina Jankowitz, cast doubt on the Hunter Biden laptop confirmed to be real by multiple outlets. Uh, she called it, quote, a Trump campaign product. That is disinformation. And do the next one. And here she is in her own words spreading disinformation. This is a tweet from Trump talking about the Russian witch hunt, talking about how there was no, con uh, no collusion. And she says... Narrator, there were in fact many questions about collusion. So here she is again spreading disinformation. And let's do this next one. People may not recognize the significance of this, but she's wearing a t-shirt. It looks like kind of a nice peaceful t-shirt uh, with seeds. It says, fill your pockets. Well, what this is, it's a shirt that was a slogan to Russians to put sunflower seeds in their pockets. So when they're shot dead, they will lay down and their remains will fertilize the seeds which will grow into sunflowers it's a pretty gruesome thing to wear and i think <clears throat> multiplied in its gruesomeness by the fact that she's obviously pregnant there she's wishing death on russians with that t-shirt so extremely woke hates free speech uh hates russians passes on disinformation herself and is a regime change expert. She sounds like a pretty good person for the yeah, job. <laughs> yeah, she, she got promoted yeah. with those credentials. How can you help it? Huh? Yeah. But, but again, if the American people got exposed to what you just said and say, do you think this is a good idea, giving her more authority? You know, I would, I would think that 90% of Americans are still have, you know, when they're exposed to it and if they're willing to look at this with a half of an open mind, they're going to say, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. well, we'll keep an eye on this and, and hopefully do some updating uh, and hopefully there'll be some opposition in Congress to this. But the next one is pretty significant as well, as well and it's about oil. We can put on that next clip from the Wall Street Journal. Um, oil spikes after EU says Russian embargo is imminent and Germany drops its opposition to embargoing Russian oil. The only two strong opposition to the embargo were Germany and Hungary. Germany has said, okay, we'll go ahead and destroy our economy to try to hurt Russia. And Hungary is now out there on the fence trying to figure out if the whole gang is against them, what are they going to do? 
you know, when I was looking at this, I was thinking of the old, old saying about cutting one's nose off to spite their face. And it seems like the EU is doing this, but we do it ourselves, yeah. too. Because, we, we, I mean, just, the pro, just your comments just now that we did, I mean, promoting people like that, uh, even though that might not be a total consensus, you know, they do all these things and they're hurting themselves no matter what. Oh, we're protecting freedom, you know. We got to go over there and fight wars, protect freedoms. And uh, that's why they put on sanctions. And, it, and they really do come back to haunt us. Uh, I think that uh, it, w whether it's a hot war or a sanctions war or, uh, you know, any of these things, the, the people on both sides, or the average person, the poor people suffer the most. And uh, it, it eventually destroys the total principles which undermines everybody. But I think what we're in the midst of right now is, is try to stop that momentum and at least shift gears, put on the brake and say, enough is enough. Let's quit this nonsense, yeah. you know. So uh, that's one thing that we could hope for, but uh, who, who knows? <laughs> well, this administration is blaming Putin for the rise in, in oil and gas prices. I drove by on the 288. I always look at Bucky's to see where it's at every day. And it was up again. It was up this morning. It had been evening off. It's back up pretty high. So it's going to hit everyone, every aspect of our life. And the question is, it, it doesn't seem to have been doing any good. In fact, they say they're actually making more money because the price hikes mean that they're selling it for more. Yeah, but how, how do you feel about the poor people in California? Yeah. You know, I think, I think we're still under five, aren't we? You know, yeah, we're 415 or 430. Okay, it's over six yeah. in California, yeah. and and uh, you know there has to be some innocent people suffering from this, and they might not be able to move out or something yeah. like that. But that is that is still astounding. But once again, uh, it's done by policy. How, that's the one thing that has come out of this that looks pretty neat is that there was enough of this independence by states, where states. You know, if they came to their senses, they were much better off than other states. So Florida and Texas, better off than California yeah. and New York. So that, that I think, is very good. And uh, so y you would think that they would eventually, but I guess there's so much wealth with the uh, social media and, uh, and just the benefits of California. Uh, there's enough wealthy people that they could just plod along. And, uh, yeah, if the price goes up. Yeah, they won't say, well, that's the price to live in California. That's your tax. Yeah. Uh, that's in, in, they pay a lot of taxes. We pay taxes, but really the inflation tax is the most sinister. Yeah. Well, if only the <coughs> Republicans in the House, in the Senate, with a couple of exceptions, would for just a second stop their devotion to war and their love of war to realize that this administration is so inept uh, and it's leading us down a path. And in fact... Here's Exhibit B for how inept and how far they're leading us down a path. This is from Defense News this morning. You're going to be shocked, Dr. Paul. Biden asked Congress for new $33 billion Ukraine aid package. I have to mark that down. <laughs> is this I'm, number four, yeah, I, I think? I know, I know. The math but is getting tough. But this tough. isn't all brand new. It's adding on and this sort of stuff. Mickey Mouse and around. But it's $33 billion. $33 billion. And, uh, and, and people are still out in the streets, and the, the number of people, uh, you, you know, worrying about uh, uh, getting a next meal, and number of people that uh, depend on food stamps, it, it continues. So there's, it, there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of poverty out there. And, you, you know, the, the whole thing is, is uh, spending money is not the inflation. It's when you monetize it. And, uh, and, and that's what they do. But uh, when you run up the debt, uh, you know, and then they monetize it, there's always a payment that has to be paid. And that's what they're doing, whether it's for these good things about us, you know, bringing peace to the world and protecting our Constitution and protecting our liberties by going and starting another war. Yeah. You know, it, it just makes no sense whatsoever, but it will end. There is no doubt about it. They just can't do, do it. It's astounding to me on the short run, you know, like the dollar's very strong. But I tell people who say, well, how can you explain this? The dollar on the international exchange market keeps rising because everything else, nobody knows what to do. The world's in such chaos. So they have, they have to cling, cling to dollars. But the measurement of the dollar is balancing your income with uh, paying for your overhead and living, your living expenses. And that's where the biggest fight is. That's yeah. where people are really upset. I think I saw a, another poll this time that uh, it was the inflation. You know, the price is going up. The inflation is the money supply. Inflation that they're talking about is, is the CPI and the cost of bread. That's going up. And that is their biggest concern, and it ought to be. But they need to learn a fundamental message. I believe the whole message and understanding of the monetary system could be in a one pager. <laughs> you know, when, when I want to know something and I want you to research something, I, Daniel, I need to know more about this. Can you give me a one pager? <laughs> I bet I could put a one pager on what the people need to know about money to understand that where they might not say, well, send my congressman here because I'm going to demand he get me more money, <laughs> you know, yeah. to get, make my check bigger. But it's, that will not solve the problem. Well, you've always said about this kind of foreign aid, military especially, that it's corporate welfare, and that's what it is. You may not have seen it on the MSN, Americans who only watch the mainstream media, but there was a massive weapons depot uh, blown up in Ukraine yesterday. It was all the stuff that the Americans have been sending. It's gone sky high. They don't care. In fact, that's great news for them. Uh, and put on this next clip, this is from that article from Defense News. This tells you exactly how. The Biden administration also wants $550 million to establish a critical munitions acquisition fund to help procure and expedite the availability of what OMB called high-demand munitions for the U.S. and its coalition partners. Now, here's the key part. Additionally, the Biden administration is seeking $4 billion in foreign military financing for Ukraine, a State Department program that would grant Kiev the ability to purchase American defense articles from the United States. So basically, we give them $4 billion. They go to Raytheon and say, hey, we need some missiles. Okay, how about Lockheed? We need some of these. You know, it's corporate direct welfare. Direct payment. Yeah, direct payment. <laughs> direct payment. Electronically de <laughs> deposited. Yeah. So uh, on this uh, one article that we had uh, re referred to, uh, you know, it was on Zero Hedge. Uh, I want to quote one sentence here. He says, as AP reports, Biden's latest proposal, uh, which the official said was expected to last for five months, five months, <laughs> has more than $20 billion in military assistance to Ukraine and for bolstering defenses in nearby country. Oh, well, if we're providing defense against, uh, against Russia, uh, this is all an investment for world peace. Yeah. This is what we know. But I thought that this was astounding. It lasts for five months. Only five Wait, months. But do you think it's going to go down in five <laughs> months? Are they going to quit? Are they going to wise up? 
No, they're not, they're not going to. It's not there. It has to go through a lot more pain and suffering before uh, the people. The people will wake up, and they are waking up. It's this connection of the people waking up, knowing what to do, and putting the pressure on the politicians who uh, don't know what's going on, or if they do, they just want more power. But I saw, I saw that happening in the reaction, finally, uh, to some of the lockdowns on COVID. Yeah. That, that it was sort of was working there, and guess what? There are less people wearing masks now, yeah. even if Fauci's a happy person, but he, he, uh, uh, he, he, he's, he's, still, he's still in battle there, to, yeah. uh, and uh, that, that'll, that, that'll continue until people's attitudes change and there it is but we need to have their attitudes change i mean i mean i keep thinking about my personal experience in thinking about this and of course it started with world war ii and vietnam and korea and then in politics it's been the middle east and wars yeah. and you know how hard we worked on that and here it is now it's still a continuation of the same war it's a war of nato which is owned by the united states and policing the empire and now the it's very interesting what's happening now trying to figure figure out where where does Russia stand on all this uh, you know in in reality as well as what their long-term plans are and how much are they going to be capable of and what is going to do to the financial system because the more we uh, have a world like this the more likely it is that we're going to see a sea change in the reserve currency of the world and I think that's what's brewing and nobody knows exactly when and where but one thing is uh, the uh, elimination of the dollar as a reserve currency of the world it's on the horizon and uh, nobody knows the date and time but it will come you just can't do this and uh, uh, so it's uh, very very dangerous times too and, and yet the answers are, are so easy and, and, and not, so so easy to understand yeah. difficult politically but easy to understand and yet uh, getting that message out is a real job yeah it is well, do you, if, do you have something more that you wanted to bring up? Or? Yeah, I, I found an article here on Ukraine. Uh, this was an anti-war. The world majority uh, on, the, on this issue of Ukraine. Yeah. Well, well, we know. We've complained about it every day. The propagandists as uh, you know, Russia's bad, Russia bad, Russia bad. They've created all of the problems. America is uh, trying to save the world. Uh, we uh, put on sanctions for good reasons. We bomb people for good reasons, and on and on. Um, but this one says, the world's majority sides with Russia over the U.S. Hmm. Now, could that be true? I, and I, I guess time will tell for sure. But this was an interesting article because they had one statistic here that I thought was, uh, you know, very, very important. It was talking about uh, India. Oh, they were talking about which, what the countries are doing. They were siding with Russia. One thing they pointed out was that in the old Cold War, the very poor countries, like in Africa and other would side with uh, communism mm -hmm. and the promises that they made. And uh, but now there's a lot of wealth. Uh, coming behind Russia, you know, because China's not exactly uh, a desperately poor country, yeah. and India's, uh, you, you know, has wealth as well. India has but one example of the shift in power. This is the one I wanted to make a point on. Out of 195 countries, only 30 
have honored the U.S. sanctions on Russia. That means about 165 countries in the world have refused to join the sanctions. Well, it makes sense. Why should they do that to themselves and and be and go along with these sanctions? And America tells them, well, we won't send you any foreign aid. Well, maybe they're losing trust in the dollar forever bribing people to do what we tell them and maybe they're sick and tired of being uh, the recipient of american bombs yeah. that was you know what happened with uh, uh, iraq and uh, afghanistan uh, libya syria ukraine yeah. a lot of bombing goes on and uh, so so i think this this in a way uh, somebody said this is much more accurate than the professional pollster, yeah. you know, calling a thousand people here in the United States. Uh, this is this is an international polling of reality. So uh, that, that that I think tells you that maybe there are more sorting out of this than uh, than we realize. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I'll, I'll just close with that last clip as a reminder, as I tend to do that we are getting together on June 4th. Dr. Paul alluded to it in his opening talk. The Biden Doctrine, New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. Go to ronpaulinstitute.org uh, and get some information on there. And I'll put a link in the, in the description of today's program of how you can get your tickets. We've got about 85% sold, so there's just a few tickets left. Uh, and so we want to make sure everyone that wants to come can come. Very good. And I want to thank uh, all our viewers once again for joining us today. And I want to emphasize that it's very clear in our minds what our goals are. And it's uh, very clear in our own minds the limitations that all of us have. But the one thing that is unlimited is that uh, the understanding that ideas do have consequences. And ideas are very, very powerful. And it's been well said that, army, that ideas are more powerful than all the armies. So, yes, the armies are very, very powerful. But take the Soviet system when it was at its worst. Uh, you, you know, the armies were very big, but the Soviets collapsed. And as we are in the midst of coll collapsing, too, that uh, the, uh, the fact that we have all this uh, rhetoric of regu regulated economies and, and internet and planning in our world empire uh, you know the ideas of liberty uh, cannot be squelched it cannot be uh, disappeared you can't cancel them you can have your ups and downs and it's happened and uh, we at times had been in the United States truly a greater champion of liberty, but I think it's on the wane. I think that uh, it, at least the, the image of the United States uh, is uh, quite a bit different than many Americans right now would like to see. But it, to me, is the important thing is understanding the principles. That's why we have our conferences, to make sure that people feel comfortable with other people that agree with them and to get ideas and to understand. Now, one of the biggest challenges I have and one of the biggest challenges that are presented to me by people who want to join in, is how do you answer these questions? Uh, how, how do you take care of the poor? Is, how, people say, Ron, you're against the poor people. There are statistics and ways of handling this. And one thing I do think that is important is uh, that uh, in the midst of trying to solve these problems, there has to be you know, a compassionate element in taking care and helping poor people. And I feel like I understand that, but I also know that if you're truly compassionate, you will pick liberty over authoritarianism. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.